you, Charles. Well, it's a wonderful privilege to be able to talk about the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. Շատ մեծ առանձնաշահություն է, որ կարող անանք խոսենք, այն մեկի մասին, որ իրականությունն է ճշմարտությունն է կյանքն է ու ճանապար։ Եվ կարող անանք հրավիրենք մարդկանց, որ կան և գտնեն ատիմաստությունը։ Այսօր ուզում եմ ձեր հետ կիսվեմ հավանաբար ամենակարևոր բարի մասին, որ սուրկիրքի մեր գոյություն ունի։ Եվ ուզում եմ սկսեմ հիշեցնելով ձեզ մի պատմություն, որ հինգ տակարնի մեջից է։ Ինչպես որ իմանում եք, դավիթը մեկ շատ մոտ ընկերուներ And not only was King Saul killed, but also Jonathan, his son, was killed as well. And David was, was very upset at losing his close friend, Jonathan. David became king. The years went by. And one day David was thinking. <coughs> And he wondered, he couldn't do anything to help Jonathan because he had gone. But he thought, I wonder if there's still anybody alive of Jonathan's family that I can show kindness to. And he found a person who had been a servant of Saul, King Saul. And they called this servant in. And David says, David says to him, Is there anyone left of the house of Saul from Jonathan that I might show the kindness of God to him? Հովնաթանի եւ Սոլի տոհմից մեկը որ ես կարող անամ աստծու բարերարությունը նրանց ցույց տամ And the servant said yes there is Ծառան պատասխում է կամ է Jonathan has a son Հովնաթանը մի տղազավակ ունի And he needs help Եվ նա կարիքի մեջ է One of his basic problems is that he cannot walk he is lame Իրա դժվարություններից մեկը նա է որ անթամալույց է եւ չի կնարկայլել And the king said where is he Դավիթը հարցում է ուրենա He said, well, I can tell you where he is. So David sent for this person. And his name is Mephibosheth. Uh, the son of Jonathan. And they bring him to David. And uh, he falls on his face to give respect to King David. And David says, Mephibosheth. He says, I am your son, I am your servant. And David says, don't be afraid. Because for the sake of your father, Jonathan, I want to show kindness to you. You don't have anything? 
какво чиниш чунесто. But I'm going to restore the land that belonged to your father. And you're going to eat at my table all the time. Well, this man couldn't believe what he was saying. And he says, well, who am I? How come you're going to do this for me? And in the Bible, this man uses the words, he says, I am like a dead dog. You can't be worse than that. You know? I mean, here in England, people love dogs. Mm-hmm. But in the Middle East, you know that many people, they, they don't like dogs. Mm-hmm. But it's not only a dog he refers to himself. But he says, I'm a dead dog. Anyway, the king showed kindness to this and he says you are always going to eat at my table and it says this it says that Mephibosheth he ate at David's table like one of the king's sons what a contrast a dead dog to somebody like one of the king's sons well it's a wonderful picture of course of what we want to talk about this afternoon so what's the word we're going to be talking about today any suggestions? Grace. Exactly. Grace. 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 Probably, well, certainly, one of the most important words in the United It's what the Bible is all about. God is referred to as the God of all grace. The Holy Spirit is referred to as the Spirit of Grace. And about Jesus, it talks about the grace of the Lord Jesus. And John says, grace came through Jesus Christ. And the news about Jesus is the gospel of the grace of God. So although we, we use the word salvation a lot, yet it's clear that this salvation, which is in the Bible, is all about grace. From first to last, it's the grace of God that brings salvation. As Paul says, the grace of God has appeared for the salvation of all people. I mentioned this morning when I was uh, uh, leading worship here that uh, you know, in Revelation chapter 5, it says that Jesus came, that through his death he might redeem people. 
from every tribe and nation. I had somebody that phoned me a few days ago about a conference that is taking place in Asia um, within the next few months. And he wanted to know if I was going. I said, what's the conference called? He says, it's, the conference is called 5-9. I said, 5-9, what, what does that mean? He says, well, of course, it's simple. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. Where it says so clearly that Jesus has bought people from every tribe, nation, and people in the world. So I realized that this was a conference uh, about evangelism and how to reach the peoples that have not yet been reached. Because what we're talking about here today in this building, in this city of London, is for the whole world. Every tribe and tongue. The message of the grace of God. As Paul says, the grace of God has appeared for the salvation of all people. So this is what the message of God is all about. It's like a key that sort of unlocks the door to understand what this book is all about. But what is it? What does the word grace mean? Well, it means God's undeserved favor. That favor that we do not deserve. God's unmerited love. The love that we have not merited. Jim Packer, uh, in his book, Knowing God, says this. He says, grace is God's love in action towards people. Who have actually merited the opposite of love. He says, grace, this is interesting, he says, grace means moving heaven and earth. To save sinners who could not lift a finger to be able to save themselves. I like that. God moving heaven and earth to save people that couldn't do anything to save themselves. What a wonderful truth. And it's found in the New Testament. And it's found in the Old Testament as well. And you know, we particularly see the greatness 
of grace in three ways. First of all, our unworthiness. If we deserved the blessings that God gives us, there would be no grace at all. In fact, Paul says exactly that. If it's by grace, he says, it's no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. In other words, if we could do something, then there be no need for grace. ourselves, how we had persecuted the church. And, and so he, he's often using the word grace. He says about the grace of God that called me. The grace that overflowed for me. The grace that made me an apostle of Christ. Paul realized, I don't deserve this. I am so unworthy. But God showed his grace towards me. And this is like Mephibosheth, the same thing. He, he felt so unworthy. Just like that dead dog. But David showed mercy and grace towards him. And then they go and we don't see them again is because they have never realized, first of all, their own situation and what God has done for them. God's grace is that love that he has freely shown towards us as guilty, sinful people. People that really only deserve severity and judgment from God. But you might ask, well, is this word different from mercy? Yes, it's different. We can say it like this. Mercy is not receiving what we deserve. Grace is receiving what we don't deserve. 
շնորքը ստանալ այն, որին մենք արժանի չենք, առաջինը որին, որ արժանի էինք, չստանալ այն, որին արժանի ենք, և շնորքը ստանալ այն, որին արժանի չենք. Let me repeat that. Mercy is not receiving what we deserve. I deserve to be punished for eternity. God shows mercy and forgives me. But God does more than that. He shows grace which is receiving what I don't deserve. All the blessings that he gives me. For example, let's Say there is um, a man who is in a very bad way. He's a beggar. Uh, he has nowhere to live. He has no food. And he notices that near him there is a huge house very, where, where a very wealthy person lives. And he decides to go there and to break into the house and to steal some food and money and clothes. But whilst he's in the house, he gets caught by the owner. Now the owner speaks to him. He says, now really, I should call the police and they'll come and arrest you. That's what you deserve. But I'm going to show mercy to you. And I'm not going to call the police. And I'll forgive you for breaking into my house. But this man could do more than that. He says, where do you live? I don't live anywhere. How much money have you got? I have no money. You don't see that much clothes. So he says, look, I will allow you to come and live in my house. If you need money, I will give you money. If you need clothes, I'm going to give you clothes. Anything you need, I'll give to you. You just come and, and live here just like one of my children. Now this man obviously doesn't deserve any of those things. But this man is not only showing mercy, he's showing grace towards him. Now, I'm not so sure that you would ever find a man who would do that to somebody. Yes, but I don't But of course, that's what God has done for us. And that's why, secondly, we see the greatness of grace, not just in our unworthiness and how God has accepted us, 
ուրեմը եւ որ տեսնենք մեր անարժեքությունը and that's what God has done to us. He has shown mercy, but he has shown grace. He's not only forgiven our sins, but he has made us his children. And he's given that to us as a gift. And all these blessings that we find there in the New Testament Describing God's blessings, the source of all of them is God's grace. We could never have earned them, even if we were sinless. But God has accepted us. And I think this is perhaps one of the greatest differences between the message of Christianity and all other religions. In fact, one might even say the Christian religion as well. Because they assume that we can do it. But somehow we are worthy. And through what we can do, that God will accept us. I remember when we were living in Tabriz, we were friends with many of the Armenian people there. And also, we became friends with the, uh, I don't know what, Khalife, but I don't know what the English word is for. Uh, uh, uh. But I, I found it very sad as I watched the religious life of the Armenians around us. And we used to go with them on the special days when there were church services. Most of the men tended to stay outside in the yard. Uh, And it was just the women that went into the service. When I went in, I wondered why I was the only man there. And I, I don't say this to be critical of people. But when I analyzed all that was going on, I realized that people were thinking and hoping that somehow through what they were doing on that day, they might be able to gain merit and be accepted by God. And we were concerned that people might realize that it is not on the basis of what we do, it's all of God's grace towards us. In fact, eventually we got permission from this, uh, the Khalifa, the leading Armenian, uh, the bishop there, to 
work with the young people and with the children to be able to help them to understand what God's grace is. But, but this is true of all religion. All religions say that we can do it. We can be accepted by God through what we do. The message of Christ is the opposite. There is nothing that we can do. It is not by works. We are saved. We are saved through grace. And that's why we need to first of all realize just how unworthy we are in the sight of a holy righteous God. But then to thank him for all the blessings that he has given to us out of his grace. But of course we see the greatness of this grace in something else. Yes, there's our unworthiness. There's God's blessings. But of course, there's also Christ's expense, what he has done for us. Maybe that uh, this will only work in English, but some of you have probably heard that if you take the word grace in English, which is G-R-A-C-E. They say that this is God's riches at Christ's expense. Because yes, God has blessed us. But it only came to us because of what Christ has done for us. It's absolutely free for us. But it was very costly for him. And Paul says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yet though he was rich, for your sake he became poor. That by his poverty we might become rich. Now that's a wonderful verse. That's 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, for our sakes he became poor. So that through him becoming poor, we might become rich. And Paul says that he tasted death for everyone by the grace of God. And, you know, when we think about it, we can never forget the greatness of what Christ has done for us on the cross. And we praise him and we thank him for that. So that's what grace 
և սա մի բան է որ որեց է մի ուրիշ հավատքի մեջ հասկացողության մեջ կամ կրոնի մեջ մենք չենք կարող գտնել որովհետև մարդիկ երբեք չունեն անվստահությունը որ արդյոք բավական արել են որ աստուն գոհացնեն because it's based on their own merit their own works որովհետև իրանց գործերով է դա but when we realize that we can do absolutely nothing բայց երբ որ անդրառարն ենք ոչինչ չենք կարող անել and it's all of god's grace եւ աստուշնորքն ավոր մեզ փրկում է then it, it, it brings that certainty of salvation of knowing that we have been accepted եւ աստուշնորքն է գալիս մեր վրա որ իմանում ենք որ մենք փրկություն ունենք եւ ընդունել է աստված մեզ secondly god's grace enables us to live for him Եկրորդական տեղում աստուշնորքը մեզ կարողություն է տալիս ապրել իրեն համար։ Paul in talking about God's dealings with us. Բողոսարակյալ երբոր աստու մասին խոսում է։ He says that grace reigns or grace rules through righteousness to eternal life. Աստուշնորքն ավոր թակավորում է եւ մեզի աշտարություն է տալիս։ That's why we are called as believers to stand in God's grace. դրա համար է որ մենք հավատացյալներս կոչվել ենք որ կանգուն կանգնենք աստուշնորքի մեջ In fact as we were singing that song it says that we are standing in his love and we're standing in his power Ինչպես որ այդ երկ հասավ մենք կանգուն ենք իր սիրո եւ իր ուժի մեջ Well we could put the word grace there means exactly the same Դրա փոխարեն մենք կարող ենք շնորհ բառ դնել որովհետեւ բովանդակությունը նույնն է In other words it's not just that grace saves us Բավական չի որ շնորհքը մեզ փրկում է But our whole lives are to be based on it. Մեր ամեն կյանքը հիմնված է շնորհքի վրա։ Do you know Paul said something that is completely contradictory? Պողոսարակյալը մի բան ասեց որ մեր համար շատ տարօրինակ եւ զարմանալի է։ He says this is 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10 I'll read it to you. 
He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, he says, I worked harder than any of them. Though it wasn't I that was working. But the grace of God that is with me. Now, can you understand that verse? He says, it's all of God's grace. He says, it wasn't me that was doing it. But then he says, I worked harder than anybody else around. It wasn't me though. So Paul, who was it? It wasn't you. But he says, it was the grace of God that was me. So we see that Paul was active, he was doing all these wonderful things to serve the Lord. But he realized that it was God's grace that was working through him. It was God's grace that was using him. That's in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10. And it's the same with us. Grace describes all that God is doing in our lives. Because he wants us to live in fellowship with him. And it is is God's grace that leads us to be able to love him. To be able to trust in him. To delight in him. To hope in him. To obey him. It's all towards the Lord. And it's aimed at helping us having a deeper knowledge of God. A closer fellowship with him. And so that's why we are to stand, to use the words of Paul, to stand in the grace of God. To realize that it is his grace that will help us and will enable us to be able to live for him. Hmm. And then thirdly, God's grace is sufficient for our needs. And this is particularly relevant for those times when it's difficult for us. And yet, you know, we have this wonderful promise of access to him, especially when those times are difficult. And I like those words in Hebrews 4 where it says, you know, Jesus who is up there is not somebody that is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. No, in every respect, he was tempted, just like us. Of course, without sin. 
weil sie hat genau am Meer So the writer says, then with confidence, let's come to the throne of grace. So that we might find mercy and grace to help at that time of need. And I'm sure there's many of us here today that can testify to the fact that at those particular times of need, when we've come to the throne of grace, God has met our need. In fact, we could even say that God sometimes allows certain troubles to come to overwhelm us with a sense of our own inadequacy. And almost to drive us to cling to him more closely. And do you remember what that was the experience of Paul? He had a problem. Uh, he asked the Lord to take it away. Three times I pleaded with the Lord. Whatever it was that it might leave him. But what did the Lord say to him? My grace is sufficient for you. Because my power is made perfect in your weakness. Uh, and so Paul says, well, in that case, I'm going to boast all the more of my weaknesses. So I may, may know more of the power of Christ resting on me. And so for the sake of Christ, then I am content with all these weaknesses and insults. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Praise God that His grace is sufficient. Fourthly, just two more points, then we finish. God's grace frees us from the power of sin. Paul makes reference to this in, in Romans chapter 6. Where he says then, sin will not have dominion or power over you. Because you're not under law. But you're under grace. Of course, I realize that we have to be careful that we do not misuse the grace of God. And to think that we can do whatever we want to do. For example, Paul, as we have just read, says, we're not under law, we're under grace. And there are some that might think, well, in that case, it doesn't matter what I do. And so there are two dangers here when we think about grace and law. 
The first danger is, is what we call uh, legalism. We think that somehow our acceptance before God is on the basis of what we do, on the basis of law. Paul had this problem in the first century. He was working away in Turkey. Uh, and people became Christians. Uh, they weren't Jews. But they heard about God's grace. And they came into the joy of the freedom that God's grace brings. And Paul left them. And then after a while, some Jewish Christians came from Jerusalem. Who were still very sort of legalistic in what they thought. And they met these new Christians. And they started talking to them. They said, well, how did you become Christians? And I said, well, the Paul came here and he told us about the grace of God and we've entered the grace of God. Mm-hmm. I said, well, what else did you do to become Christians? They said, nothing, we just accepted God's grace. No, 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 this is not as simple as that. Have you been circumcised? What circumcision, they said. Uh, what about uh, the law of Moses? Have you heard anything about that? No, Paul said nothing about the law of Moses. Oh, yeah, yeah, you've got to do all these things to somehow be accepted. Sorry? You've got to do all these things to be accepted. Well, you can imagine when Paul heard about this, he was very upset. And he wrote that letter to the church there in Galicia. And he says to them, look, be careful. You that would like to be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. We can add nothing. It's just all of God's grace that gains our acceptance. But the other danger is the opposite. Which uh, in English, we, 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 we've had legalism. In English, we can call it license, which is excessive freedom. Which says, look, we're not under law, we can do whatever we want, God will accept us. Which, of course, exactly what Paul says here. He says, what? Are we to sin because we're not under law but under grace? Of course not, he says. Because the whole purpose of this grace is to show us that we, it's not through keeping the law. But it's to free us from that law and to free us from the power of sin. Uh, 
And it is grace that sort of that reigns, that rules in our lives. Of course, that does not mean, therefore, that uh, uh, we should not walk in obedience. Paul's not trying to say that. As believers in Christ with God's grace, of course we want to live in obedience. And not to misuse God's grace. And in that verse where it says that God's grace has appeared for the salvation of all people, he goes on to say how we should live lives of holiness and righteousness. There's something else that uh, perhaps can only be said in English. From George Verver from OM. He says, grace without discipline can become disgrace. Does it? Oh, okay, very good, very good. I think. And that's exactly the case. So, yes, grace is there. And we've got to be aware of these two dangers. Not to start thinking that somehow our acceptance is going to be based on what we do. But not going to the other extreme and thinking, well, because it's God's grace, then I can behave however I want. No, God's grace is there to liberate and to free us from sin's power. And that's why all these words are connected together. <laughs> God filling our lives with his Holy Spirit. It's the same as filling us with his grace. <laughs> and helping us to be able to live in the way that will please and honor him. And then finally, God's grace enables us to be able to serve him. Paul talks about the grace of God that was shown in the churches. And, and he was talking about their, their, their very generous spirit that they were giving gifts and so on. But of course, what is the word in Greek for grace? It's the word charis. charis. Which of course has sort of entered many different languages through the word charismatic. Which reminds us that the gifts that God gives to serve him, they are grace gifts. And they're not just given to a few. But they're given to all believers. And so Paul says, uh, he says, grace was given to each one of us. According to the measure of Christ's gift, he's the one that gives the gifts. And that's why we, we believe that in the body of Christ, 
But the whole meaning of the body of Christ is that Christ, who's the head of the church, gives gifts to each person so that we can all work together. And every person is important. So it's no good the foot saying, look, because I'm not the eye, I'm not important. And it's no good the eye saying, look, I am more important because I'm an eye and I'm not a foot. But every gift works together so that the Lord can glorify himself through his church. It's out of his grace that he gives us those gifts. So as we draw to a close, when we mention the word grace, what comes into your mind? Maybe nothing. In which case, it's obviously a problem. <laughs> but hopefully, all of us here will say, Grace, aha, I understand. That it's only on the basis of God's grace that I can be accepted by Him. And for those of us that, uh, that are believers in Christ, we will recognize that it is only by the grace of God that we can live for Him day by day. That we can serve him in the church. He helps us to be able to overcome the power of sin. And that that grace is sufficient for our needs. In that case, we will rejoice in the grace of God. Let's just take a few moments of quiet in the presence of the Lord. And in this quietness, just, just search our own, our own hearts and to see how do we respond to God's grace.
How I really understood my own unworthiness. Have I really understood what Christ has done for me that nobody else could do for me? Do I really appreciate the blessings that God has brought into my life? So that I'm like one of the king's sons. He invites us today to come and to receive his grace. And to live in that grace day by day. Father, we lift our hearts to you and we, we just say thank you for the grace that you have shown towards us. We realize we don't deserve it. But we thank you for what you have done for us through Christ. And not just that you have shown mercy, but that you have brought us into your family. So that we're like one of the king's sons. We're no longer dead dogs. But we're sons and daughters of the king. And yet, Father, we realize that we can never forget that it only happened because of Christ giving his life for us. But Father, we thank, you for, we thank you for the wonderful joy of knowing that when we believe in Christ that you have accepted us. And we thank you, it's your, your grace that helps us to be able to live for you day by day. Mm-hmm. We thank you that it frees us from the dominion of sin. Mm-hmm. We thank you that it's sufficient, especially at those times of need. And maybe tonight, Lord, there may be some here where you would want to say to them, my grace is sufficient for you. And we thank you that your grace enables us to be able to serve you, to glorify you. And we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There's a famous hymn in English, Amazing Grace. I was lost, but now I am found. I was blind, but now I see. Saved a wretch like me. Let's stand and we'll sing.
I don't think there's anything left to do other than worship him and praise him. If we appreciate what grace means in our life, the only thing left to do is to praise him. I've heard it's been said that 270 times the word grace has been mentioned in the Bible. If they have counted correctly, how often, how many times do you have to praise him? Uh, I think you would appreciate that Armenians, we are a little bit on the dry side. <laughs> it won't be bad if we become a little bit moist. Yeah, let us lift our arms, hands and praise him. Show some warmth. The word of God says, lift your arms in praise and worship. Let us lift our hands and praise him for his grace. And even if we can open our mouths Amen. and praise him in loud words, every one of us don't wait for each other.